Inflation. We all know it means higher petrol prices and a more expensive supermarket shop. But do you know what it means for your investment portfolio? Inflation has been rising fast in recent months, with CPI inflation reaching 1.8% last week, the highest point since June 2014. So is now the time to protect yourself? And if so, how? I'm Kate Bealey, and this is a special podcast about how to inflation-proof your portfolio. So firstly, a reminder, what is inflation and why should we care? Here's Patrick Connolly, Chartered Financial Planner at Chase Devere, to explain. Inflation is the general rise in prices, and as prices go up, the spending power of your money goes down unless it is going up by at least the amount of inflation. But what about what inflation does to your portfolio? I'm Tom Stevenson. I'm Investment Director at Fidelity International. Broadly speaking, inflation can be seen as a type of tax, a type of long-term hidden or stealth tax. And it's particularly a problem for investments which have a fixed return or a fixed income. So bonds, for example, guarantee to the investor that they will pay back the capital after a certain amount of time. And during that time, they will pay an income, but that income is fixed. So if the cost of living is rising, the value of the return of capital and the value of the of the income payments along the way declines in value. And over time, this can, can, can really sort of savage the value of your uh, investments. There is no doubt that inflation has been pretty far from investors' minds in recent years, having languished at around 0% since 2015. But since last year, several factors in the UK, including weakening sterling and the dramatically fluctuating oil price, have pushed inflation back up again. A couple of things are driving inflation. In this country, particularly, the level of sterling is a big influence on inflation. So the pound has fallen in value against most other major currencies. And what that's done is it has pushed up the price of imported goods. Things like petrol, clothes have gone up uh, in price, and that's uh, driving inflation higher. On the other side of the Atlantic, uh, inflation is being driven by slightly different factors. There, it's more about the economy being at a, at a different stage in the cycle. It's, it's, it's more into recovery, in, into growth, and that's driving uh, wages higher. Darius McDermott is Managing Director at Wealth Manager Chelsea Financial Services and also has his eye on oil and the pound. There's two main issues here. One is the sterling depreciation. So if you're in the camp that thinks that sterling is going to get worse and worse um, versus other global currencies, that would be inflationary. The other thing on a 12-month basis, of course, is the oil price. Um, In January, February last year, oil managed to get as low as $27. It's now sort of in the $50 region, so that's a double from a very low base. And oil and fuel is a big part of an inflation bucket. So that will wash through the system over the coming months. You know, oil had returned to 50, sort of $50, high $40 by sort of April of last year. So that will come out of the calculations as we go through. Last week, inflation rose from 1.6% in December to 1.8%. But that number still remains low relative to history, and it's a way off the Bank of England's target of 2%. So do our experts think we could be panicking too soon? Or is it likely that inflation will keep heading upwards this year? Here's Tom again. I think it's very likely that inflation will rise above the the Bank of England's 2% target uh, during 2017. Uh, In fact, it will probably rise to 3% or or even higher. But part of that will be a a temporary effect of the things that I've I've mentioned already, the the rise in clothing costs, in food costs, in energy costs. And once those fall out of the year-on-year comparisons, then I think inflation will come down to a more manageable level.
There is a level above which inflation is a problem and below which it's not necessarily a problem. So when inflation is low and positive, it can actually be good for investments, particularly equities or shares. And that's because a low but positive rate of inflation is an indication of uh, of an expanding economy, of, of an economy where things are things are growing. So that's a good sign. It's only when inflation rises above a certain level, and I, and I would probably put that level at sort of somewhere between four to six percent above that level, then it's eating into the value of people's wealth, and it becomes a problem. So the likelihood is that inflation will keep rising in 2017. And rising inflation brings with it the likelihood of rising interest rates. All of that means very bad news for parts of your portfolio, and one part in particular. Dodge bonds, says Darius McDermott. Inflation is bad for bonds. Inflation means that rates should be going up, because interest rates are the tool to sort of cool inflation, and when rates go up, that's bad for bonds. So I think having had a very, very long run with good total returns for bonds and yields still being low, that fixed income is not a super attractive asset class. Just why are rate rises so bad for bonds? Here's Patrick Connolly again to explain. Bonds typically pay a fixed income. And if inflation goes up, that fixed income looks less attractive. So if a bond is paying a fixed income of 4% and inflation is 2%, well, that doesn't look too bad. But then if inflation goes up to 4%, actually the yield that's been offered by that bond looks less attractive. So what tends to happen is if inflation goes up, the bond prices go down, which means their corresponding yield then goes up. And it isn't just income you lose out on when inflation rises. You're also exposed to losing your capital if you buy the wrong bond or bond fund. If you invest in a bond fund, you take a fixed income from the bonds your manager holds, but you also earn capital growth from the fluctuation in the price of those bonds. When interest rates rise, the price of certain bonds is impacted. Well, within the bond universe, there are, there are various different types of bonds and they're all impacted differently by, by rising interest rates. So broadly, government bonds are more affected by interest rates than the higher yielding corporate bonds. High yielding bonds tend to behave a bit more like equities than bonds. The other consideration is a technical term, it's called duration, and all it means is it's the exposure of a bond to movements in interest rates. And bonds which have a longer duration, that have a longer maturity, will be more affected by interest rates. So a bond which uh, matures in a couple of years will be much less affected than one that's not going to be repaid for, say, 30 years. But there is one kind of bond and bond fund you might want to own in a rising inflation environment. Index-linked bond funds invest in bonds whose income is tied to the rate of inflation, meaning your payout rises with CPI instead of being eroded. Inflation-linked bond funds have not been enjoying strong returns in recent years while inflation has been low, and they currently yield less than other bond funds which are able to invest more flexibly. But if inflation comes back with a vengeance, they will protect your income, and they're already looking more expensive as investors start to eye them up again. Still, Patrick Connolly thinks there are reasons to be wary. Inflation-linked bonds, in theory, are a great idea because what they do, in theory at least, is give investors protection against rising inflation. The reality doesn't always work out like that. In terms of the return, the returns on them in terms of the income and and in terms of the capital payment back are affected by the rate of inflation. So a higher rate of inflation basically means a higher return. 
that works fine for the income side of things. In terms of the capital growth, the price of inflation-linked bonds and index-linked bonds is generally affected by the expectations of inflation. So if people think that inflation is going to go, go up, then they're willing to pay more of a premium for those bonds. And so the price of the bonds tends to go up as well. The problem comes if people expect inflation to rise significantly and it doesn't rise as much because then the capital value comes down the other way. Inflation-linked bonds have performed incredibly well last year as we started to see more expectations that that, that inflation is going to rise and potentially rise more significantly in, in, in the coming year. But if that doesn't come to pass and inflation is more muted than people expect, then you can expect the price of inflation-linked bonds to start to fall. There is another issue with inflation-linked bond funds too. Like other bond funds, they're vulnerable to interest rate risk. Ben Lord manages the M&G UK inflation-linked corporate bond fund and claims to be dodging that bullet by investing in corporate rather than government bonds and by investing in shorter-dated bonds. The most important difference between this fund and traditional inflation-linked bond funds is that I'm an inflation outcome fund as opposed to being a real yield fund. Real yield funds are are traditionally government bond, index-linked government bond funds, so index-linked gilt funds in in our case. And there are people who traditionally have bought those funds and been delivered inflation protection. I would suggest at this point in time that's going to be very difficult to do because inflation-linked government bond funds, inflation-linked gilt funds have a duration, or the sector has a duration of 23 years. They're investing in index-linked gilts that are very, very long-dated. So what is the M&G UK inflation-linked corporate bond fund exactly and what does it do? It's a short-dated inflation-linked bond fund and it takes credit risk, it takes exposure to high-quality investment-grade companies. So it's a low-interest-rate volatility, low-credit-volatility fund that tries to deliver inflation outcomes, CPI outcomes after fees. So if you think that we're getting higher inflation outcomes for the next year or two or three or maybe longer, then if this fund does what it has done so far since we launched it, and if I get the decisions right on the fund, then there's no reason to think that we can't deliver those inflation outcomes. If inflation does not continue to rise, though, there is no getting around the fact that Ben Lord's fund will not outperform. The fund today yields under 1% and in five years has returned just over 13%. So how does Ben think he'd perform if inflation did not continue to rise next year? Poorly. I mean, the worst scenario for me would be deflation. Because in in a deflation environment, I'm not being paid any inflation compensation from the bonds that I own. UK inflation-linked bonds don't have deflation flaws. And in that environment, it's it's really the environment we lived through in 2014 and 15, when there's no inflation, nominal yields will tend to rally and inflation-linked yields will be underperforming. They'll be rising to approach nominal guilt yields. So that really is the scenario you don't want to be owning this inflation outcome fund in, as the sort of name would suggest. There is another answer, though. Strategic bond funds are able to move between different kinds of bonds, including index-linked bonds and government bonds, as well as other kinds, depending on what looks attractive. That is where Patrick Connolly is investing. The approach, certainly, that we would take is to put that trust in somebody who does this all of the time, who's got the experience and, and the backup to, to help them pick the right bonds. And so the approach we would take would be to use strategic bond funds, which, which are flexible, rather than trying to make that decision yourself, because it's an incredibly difficult decision. Tom Stevenson doesn't agree, though. He's altogether more positive on linkers. 
they do sound ideal, but like any other security, they rise and fall in value. And the best time to to buy an inflation-linked bond is when no one's remotely worried about inflation. So a couple of years ago, when inflation was down at zero and everyone was talking about deflation, then inflation-linked bonds were pretty good value. Obviously, the very fact that we're sitting here talking about inflation suggests that lots of people are beginning to think about inflation as being a problem. So they're less good value than they were. But having said that, as I say, inflation remains at a low level. People are not really worried about inflation yet. So actually, I would suggest that this is not a bad time to have some inflation-linked bonds in your portfolio. They've actually been quite good and they've been quite a good diversifier in a portfolio because they behave in a slightly different way from other types of bonds and also from from equities. So actually, for a small proportion of your portfolio, I would recommend having some inflation-linked bonds. But it's quite a small subset of the bond universe, so it should be a small part of your portfolio. So that's bonds. But what about the other kinds of asset you might want to hold in a rising inflation environment? Here's Tom Stevenson again with his take. In a rising inflation environment, you want an asset class which is going to perform well over the long run. And the best performing asset class over the long run is equities. So I would definitely favour equities over bonds. And I think also assets which tend to be protected against inflation are what's called real assets. So these are sort of tangible things that you can touch, like commodities, uh, like some precious metals, like gold, like property and infrastructure, things like that. So I think in a, in a rising inflation environment, those kinds of assets become more attractive. Lots of infrastructure projects actually have RPI linkage. So if I'm building something in a PFI arrangement with the government and inflation goes up, I'm actually allowed to make more as a asset or the manager of that asset, you will have some RPI linking. So something like the GCP Capital Partners Infrastructure Fund, it's actually a debt vehicle that has nearly 60% of its portfolio has RPI linkage or inflation protection. So something like that. But you know, again, We have to look at the environment we're in, both in the UK and the States. Infrastructure spend is being talked about. It was talked about in the autumn statement in the UK. President Trump has said he will make America great again by one of the key policies is spending on infrastructure. So it actually broadly looks quite an interesting area in its own right. Then when you have some inflationary protection, I think infrastructure can look a good bet for the years ahead. But... Some of the the access to that is via investment trusts and some of these uh, infrastructure investment trusts are trading at a good premium. So you're overpaying for the net asset value, so to speak. But there are risks here too, says Darius McDermott, particularly with gold. Historically, things like gold, energy, people talk about real assets, property. Those are the sorts of assets that, that have historically done well in inflationary periods historically. But, you know... How do you get access to gold? Do you get access to gold equities, which are a very different beast? Gold itself can go up, but until 2016, there was multiple years where actually gold equities massively underperformed the gold price. Gold was down, and gold equities were down a lot. Then last year, we had a massive reversal, particularly in the first six months, where gold was up a bit, and gold equities were up 100%, and in some instances, 150%. So as long as you know the risks that you're taking in some of these assets. I actually don't think gold equities look that expensive. 
there was certainly a closing between the historic gold price and gold equities last year. But you know they're so volatile, and you could be wrong. You know that, that you wouldn't certainly want to put your house on that. So maybe a couple of percent in something in gold or gold equities might be an, a way of having some hedge to inflation in a portfolio. Gold do- itself doesn't yield. It doesn't give you any income. So it certainly wouldn't be something I'd go piling into. There is another final piece to this puzzle, and it lies in the hugely popular UK equity income sector. By buying into dividend-paying companies, which have the ability to pass on price increases to their customers and grow their earnings and dividends in line with or above the rate of inflation, your portfolio could generate returns above the rate of inflation too. Data shows that £100,000 invested in the average UK equity income investment company on the 31st of December 1996 would have generated an initial annual income of £3,700 by 31st of December 1997, which would have grown to an annual income of £8,516 in the year to the 31st of December 2016. Annual dividend growth was 4.5%, almost 2% ahead of inflation over that period. One person who knows a bit about buying the right companies in the UK market is Joe Curtis, manager of UK Equity Income Investment Trust, the City of London. With bonds, you just get a fixed interest rate or coupon from your um, investment, whilst with equities, you're sort of part owner of a company. And uh, in inflationary conditions, companies can quite often carry on growing there. In fact, it can be positive for some companies. And you, as I said, a lot depends on the stock selections. There can be winners and losers. But in general, it's overall positive, I would say, for the equity market, whilst it wouldn't be for fixed interest. Our dividends grown by between sort of 3 and 4% per annum over the last five years, which has been ahead of inflation. Inflation's been below 2% during that period. So we have, um, I mean, we're aim, aim for consistency. And for various reasons, we've increased our dividend now for 50 years in a row. And we use revenue reserves to do that. But certainly our aim is to beat inflation. We have done that over the last five years. And what about the market more widely? Dividend growth um, across the equity market has been ahead of inflation. I mean, inflation has been so low. Um, but over the last year, I mean, certainly the fall on the pound's been a critical factor. And without that, dividends would actually have fallen over the last 12 months by a small amount, by about 2%. But because of the fall on the pound, that's really bailed out the equity market. The issue for Job Curtis and UK equity income investors will be evaluations on the UK market turn out to have reached unsustainable highs. The FTSE reached a new record in January 2017 and income paying stocks have been rated upwards by yield hungry investors in recent years and those seeking sustainable ongoing income. Certainly I'll be very careful with you know my utility section but on the other hand there's a lot of demand for regulated British utility assets and you know, I do have some exposure to the um, big consumer staple stocks and they might, may face pressure. But on the other hand, they're, they're good facets to them. You know, the fact that they've got a lot of emerging markets exposure, that might be an area that sees stronger growth. So I think it's sometimes these top-down thematic things you've got to be a bit careful with because, you know, they can be a bit one-dimensional and you might miss, be missing another part of the argument. So I'm aware of this theme, but I don't think it's the only thing going on in the market. In the top 10, I've got Diageo and Unilever. And Diageo actually is one of the big beneficiaries in the market from the fall on the pound. And it's not just a sort of translational effect. They are kind of massive multinational company. But Scotch whiskey is one of our biggest exports. Would you believe it still? And obviously, 
they've had a big competitive advantage by the fall on the pound. So on the one hand, you know, some people say the valuation's elevated and it's a bond proxy. On the other hand, I would say the fundamentals for Diageo have really improved a, a lot in the last over the last year. And certainly um, they're the biggest alcoholic beverages spirits company in the US. And, you know, their position has improved both by the US economy, but also by the competitive advantage Scotch has in, in the US. But there are several areas of the market which would benefit from rising interest rates, which Mr Curtis is holding. Across the portfolio, one area I think in general which could benefit from higher inflation is is actually the banking sector. And if it follows with higher interest rates, I think some of the banks, you know, have got HSBC got huge dollar deposits out there. And, you know, with interest rates where they are, not earning much, but to the extent that you see US rates, you know, I would say HSBC would be a beneficiary of that. When it comes to inflation proofing your portfolio, then there is sadly no magic bullet. Pack your portfolio with inflation-busting assets and you risk losing out if it doesn't come to pass, fail to invest in any, and you could suffer. The worst case scenario is that inflation doesn't happen and that it's just been a very short-term rise, particularly in the UK based on currency, globally based on oil. Inflationary tends to be looked on a year-on-year basis. Well, in January of last year, oil was dipping, but sort of say by March, April, oil had doubled. So by the time we get through May, that doubling experience, the effect of inflation on that monthly basis versus the year before actually starts to come out of the calculations. So certainly be mindful of inflation. Be careful where you get your yield. But I certainly wouldn't advocate today in what still is historically a low inflationary environment versus the long term, i.e. 150 years. I certainly wouldn't pack my portfolio with it. A bit of inflation protection around the edges actually probably would be sensible, but I certainly wouldn't be going all in on an inflationary bet going forward. Without a magic ball, you're unlikely to predict what will happen to inflation and interest rates in 2017 and beyond. But by diversifying your portfolio and holding a mixture of equities, bonds and real assets, you should be able to protect yourself from inflation, even if it does come back with a vengeance. A final take home from Patrick Connolly. I don't think investors should ever be worrying about inflation, but they should certainly be aware of it and take account of it. Assume it's going to be there in the long term, but don't try to make short-term inflation predictions. If you make short-term inflation predictions and you adjust your portfolio because of that, and then you're wrong, that could have a very harmful effect in terms of your overall finances. So assume it's going to be there, tailor your portfolios because of that, but don't try to make short-term predictions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.